Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we do remember to record episodes. Uh, <laughs> I am Lauren Humphreys Brooks. With me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hello. How how are you doing, Karen? You're in the you're in the middle of a tropical storm, or you will be in the middle of a tropical storm shortly. We will. It hasn't hit yet. It's supposed to hit tomorrow around noon. And it's really weird. I've never, I've, I've never in my life lived somewhere where I got a tropical storm watch and then a tropical storm warning. And like my, my um, home device that listens to me and I won't say her name cause I don't want to wake her up. Uh, <laughs> like big alarm yesterday, like, er, you know, national weather service. It's like, Oh, this is fun. It was really scary when that popped up. Cause I'd never had had that happen before. My phone alarm is going off and it's just like, okay guys, let's chill out a little bit. We've got a couple <laughs> of days. <laughs> so, but it's weird. And I know there are people who deal with this all the time every year and it's, it has not happened in California since 1939 so wow. no one i know was alive when this happened last time well it i feel like it, particularly in areas where where things like that don't happen a lot where like severe weather doesn't happen a lot i think that people get more concerned about that than like in the places where it does just like oh yeah okay fine whatever but it's like if a tornado hit Mm -hmm. here i would be like what the f <laughs> <laughs> yeah which tornadoes are something else that we don't get very often we have gotten them a few times but uh, that's also a danger apparently when there's a tropical storm so it's it's really interesting because you have kind of two well three things happening like three different general reactions going on one group is completely panicking everything's going to be terrible. I'm going to just stay in my house for a week and just plan on not going anywhere. I'm not in that group. Um, but you have that, like the really hunker down and panic people. And then you have the group who's like, eh, I've lived in places with tropical storms. It's not that bad. It'll be fine. And then you've got the group who are like, no, I've lived in places with tropical storms and we should definitely be cautious. <laughs> so it's, it's like, it's such a weird, such a weird place. Cause like, People, most people are either freaking out or just don't care at all and think it's not anything to worry about. And I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm like, I'm going to be prepared, but I'm also, you know, not going to panic about it. I, I think that that's a good place to be. That's usually somewhere in the middle is usually the best kind of thing to kind of be ready. But yeah, not not lose it because pa panicking does not help. I mean, I think I think we all remember at the start of COVID where everybody <laughs> panicked and bought all the toilet paper for some reason. Yeah. And and then like and I recall going out and buying a whole bunch of toilet paper solely because everybody else was panicking. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think that we, I'm not really worried about toilet paper rations running out, but <laughs> But just in case. <laughs> but because all of you fuckers are buying all of it, I would like to have some. Mm -hmm. It was very yep. weird. 
Yeah. Well, I, yeah, last night when I went to the store, I was not sure what I was going to encounter in terms of like toilet paper, water, stuff like that. And some supplies were running a little low. So I was like, oh, well, I'm glad I came today instead of, you know, waiting until Saturday. But, but yeah, I'm just like, eh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Reminds me a little bit of the the hurricane episode of The Simpsons. (laughs) Everything reminds you of an episode of The Simpsons. Because The Simpsons always did it. The Simpsons have done everything. (laughs) They're so so it's just like that. Lisa, there's never been a record of a hurricane in Springfield, but the records only go back to 1975 when the Hall of Records was mysteriously blown away. (laughs) Anyways. so so today it's gonna be interesting it is it is well and by the time this episode comes out we'll know what your experience of of the the tropical storm is so true um (laughs) um so today we we don't have a a set agenda for today actually because we've both been kind of busy and a lot of different things have been going on um but uh so we wanted to talk about the stuff that we've been watching which includes some new releases um, some TV shows that have drained me emotionally um, and and some other fun things. So we're just going to talk about some really interesting, fun film and television. And I am actually really looking forward to this. Uh, so, so to start off with, we both got to see Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yes. Demeter. <laughs> which <laughs> is not how I was taught to pronounce Demeter. Uh, it's... It's so fun. You can tell how people learned words, whether it was from hearing them or reading them by how they pronounce them. It is the last voyage of the Demeter. Um, I do. N- I've never heard anyone say the goddess Demeter. That sounds so wrong to me. I understand that. But yet I've only ever heard people pronounce the ship name Demeter. But it has to be de- if it's named after the goddess Demeter, it's the goddess, it's Demeter. So it's the last voyage of the Demeter. So I'm going to keep on calling it that because that is correct. (laughs) And I cannot tell you how annoyed I was sitting through this movie going like you're fucking pronouncing it, pronounce it right. I think it's because they don't realize that Demeter is a goddess. I don't know if they understand. Like, I don't know if anybody making the movie, not in the movie, but making the movie actually understood what the name was a reference to was like the name of the boat (laughs) exactly so this this film is kind of it's this is a weird one this one has been in development hell for ages and it finally got made it's a really interesting idea i think because it's based on like a single chapter of dracula it's actually not even a chapter it's a section of a chapter Mm-hmm. Um, the captain's log uh, in in the novel Dracula is v- actually very short, and it's very much like it's it's a fantastic section of the book, but it doesn't go on for very long. So this is kind of like a a development of that that concept, showing what happens on um, the Demeter, where of course we know we the audience, if you know anything about Dracula, we know that Dracula is on the ship. He's being transported to London. Um, and one by one, the crew begin dying off. Uh, so this this was a film that I have very mixed feelings about. Um, one of one of the things, you know, spoiler alert for anyone who's not read the book, who's not seen the film. Um, everybody dies in the book. Like the whole point of the entire sequence of the Demeter is that Dracula picks off the crew one by one. 
and everybody is like going insane because they don't know what's happening basically like the the crew begins going mad they think that the ship is cursed all of this stuff and that pretty much is what the the way that the film sort of develops it's a surprisingly violent and cruel film in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and and i think that it's difficult because when you're talking about something where if you're going to be true to the book everybody has to die like that's what has to happen because that's what happens to dracula but this is a story that is part of a larger narrative in which you know this that is kind of showcasing the violence of dracula and um how he's he's like destroying this ship it's supposed to be scary but it's not supposed to be the beginning and end of the story right uh so it's it's a to me it was a very odd film um i liked some of it i liked it in some ways and i didn't like it in others uh but what 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 were your thoughts about this karen because you sent me like a one a one sentence text uh about like i wasn't prepared for that so what were your feelings about this about this there is definitely something that happens that really out of everything that goes on in this movie there's one thing that i really really wish that they had not shown because it's like i mean you say this is a really mean cruel movie and it really is um there's one particular thing they show that i was just like this was so unnecessarily violent and cruel that it it really bothered me and I never quite could recover. And there was still some movie left to watch after that happened. But um, I don't want to give it away for anybody who wants to, to see it. Um, overall, I love the idea. I think that, that this is um, like in concept. I love the idea because, you know, we do have this kind of, we want to explore these, these parts of stories that haven't been explored before. You know, it's, um, I remember being really intrigued by the idea of the movie Rogue One about the mission that recovers the plans, you know, of the Death Star for the Star Wars series. Like that idea for a movie was like, oh, this sounds cool. But then when you start watching it and you're like, wait, um, uh, there's only like one way that this goes and it's not gonna be a happy ending for anybody. <laughs> and that's how I've kind of felt mm-hmm. watching this movie too, was just like, wait a second. Um, everyone dies on that boat. So um, we're just basically waiting to see everyone die. And of course they do do some things to suggest that perhaps somebody will survive. Um, mm-hmm. And, and who that could be kind of shifts and, and changes a little bit. But um, so there is that, but it's, it's just, it became very like, uncomfortable you like like it's just like this ticking clock of like just waiting for everyone to get picked off and um i think that in some ways the tension that that comes from that actually was pretty interesting i think some of the ways that they do mm-hmm. that um were were good and and like the person that you are like oh i'd be so ready for this guy to die isn't the next one that dies you know and it's just like oh well, dang it, <laughs> you know, but um, but some of the deaths are just so, so brutal. Yeah. And yeah, I get it. Dracula is a brutal guy. But um, some of it was just it became very uncomfortable to watch. And I also just in general had some issues with a couple of choices of how they develop certain characters that mm-hmm. just kind of overall frustrated me. But 
I would say this movie is not terrible. I would I would say it's, you know, if you're interested in it, it's, it's worth watching. Yeah, it it was it was something that by the end of it I I was like okay, <laughs> you know, um I I think that what Dracula is one of my favorite books mm-hmm. and I have I have very strong views about how Dracula should be put on film, what Dracula should look like. Um, you have strong and, views about something? Wow. And yes, I know. It's uh, <laughs> shocking to anyone who's ever met me, <laughs> talked to me, or listened to this podcast. Um, but so so this this in particular, I'm just like, I, and so I am very much like, well, this this isn't Stoker, right? But one of the things that is very interesting about this film is the fact that it's trying to adapt a section of, of Dracula that, like you say, doesn't get a lot of time. You, It, it does show up uh, in most of the Dracula movies that follow the, the kind of plot of the basic plot of the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like a huge feature because it really is like it's literally Dr- Dracula getting from one place to another. Like yeah. that's what's happening. Um, one of the things that annoyed me a little bit about this film, and I think that this is more from, I, I actually wrote an editorial on our website about this, um, is the way that Dracula himself is represented. Because we we get, you know, all of these different kind of viewpoints of, of who Dracula is in, in cinema. And of course, the dominant one is, is the kind of urbane count, right? So he's Bela Lugosi or Gary Oldman, um, the sort of the the guy who very much passes as human and then you mm-hmm. also get the other side of that is the more nosferatu character um from nosferatu so like someone like max shrek and a lot of people really talk about how oh that's closer to the reality of what the novel depicts but it it actually isn't um dracula in the novel is odd and he's remarked on as being odd he looks strange he looks almost almost like somewhere between human and animal but he's always accepted as as human and he is actually he is very intelligent he's very um welcoming he's very friendly like the the major time that we spend with dracula as a character is actually in jonathan harker's diary and harker is kind of like he's a little odd but you know he's just a guy like and and one of the things that that bothered me specifically about the representation of Dracula here is that there is no way in hell anyone would mistake this creature for human. He is yeah. he's got wings first of all. He's naked yeah. most of the time. <laughs> um and like visually he's he's a creature, he's a monster, right? And that began raising some questions for me about like how particularly in view of the way that the film ends and particularly in view of of, like what direction the film is actually going so it's like so is this proposing kind of an alternate story of the the demeter or is this proposing like the middle point you know are we going to is it going to end with you know meeting jonathan harker or dr seward or something like that like how is this how does this fit into the larger narrative about Dracula? And I I don't think that it does. I think that that's part of the film's problem is that it doesn't quite do either. It doesn't propose to be this, this like its own story, but it also doesn't propose to be part of a larger narrative. And that, that bugged me a little bit. It bugged, it bugged me that Dracula was so obviously monstrous. And, and in the, in the book, basically like he's this, guy that keeps on appearing and they the the crew keeps on talking about there's this strange man on deck 
and we don't know who he is and he disappears every time we try to come near him and then more and more of the crew get murdered and vanish etc and i really i honestly wanted the film to be more like that i wanted it to be more about not the crew getting violently murdered but the crew vanishing and Mm -hmm. them asking you know there's someone else on board that that we don't know about right and i i wanted a little bit more of that i think that the film goes so hard into kind of the horror and gore aspects of it that it actually fails to develop that tension i do agree with you on that and i think it's very strange that when they already know they had a stowaway on board they don't assume that they have another one yeah, with all of these different crates, <laughs> right? And you're just yeah. like, just like could, we could open all of the crates and see what's inside them. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, it is, yeah, it's very, it's very bizarre. It's some of the choices that they make, just like, but why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I will slightly disagree with you about saying that doesn't feel like it's part of a larger narrative. I Okay, I, I don't think it's part of a larger narrative that is is gonna be that good um (laughs) and and i think it's definitely on track to you know veer significantly from the book but i think that by the end of of this movie it's very clear that they have a direction they're going and that there is an idea for a sequel or a trilogy or something in their minds whether that gets made or not i don't know but to me it seems very clear that for them this is part of a larger story i just don't think that it's part of the bram stoker dracula story well and i think that that's what bugs me a little bit is that it's an adaptation of a section of the book Mm -hmm. kind of purports to be an adaptation but is also not an adaptation at all yeah then becomes totally something else yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Um, no i'm with you on that and yeah and it, it just it it bothered me. It didn't completely remove the enjoyment of the film or anything like that. But um, yeah, it 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 bugged me. And maybe and some of this, honestly, like I, I could definitely say, some of this is is me reacting to my knowledge of Dracula <laughs> and simply being like, but that doesn't happen. That's not how it happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's that. Which there's does that as well. It is hard, but also. I think it's fair because when you are very specific and they even in the beginning, they have a title card that explains that this comes from a chapter from Dracula. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going to be that specific and intentional about your source material and your inspiration for this story, then you need to be telling that story. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think what you're saying is totally fair. I just think that they do have a plan for more of these and i i don't know how i feel about it i i mean we'll we'll see if it if that like actually comes comes off or anything like that i don't i have not checked the box office i do not know how well this film has done it's definitely gotten middling reviews yeah um some people have really enjoyed it some people are mixed on it some people have really just disliked it so yeah we'll have to wait i think it opened in number five yeah it opened in fifth place below the meg two so oh dear <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and that was the meg 2's second week it got like half the money that meg 2 did in its second week that's that's unfortunate it that's is unfortunate but it is yeah i mean i always support new dracula movies and i was just like oh yeah let's let's see what you do to the count this time. <laughs> yeah um 
so yeah, so the last voyage of the Demeter, it is it is out now. I think that you know it's worth seeing if you dig Dracula and you want to kind of go see a very dark, violent horror film. Um, it's one and of those literally fun- very dark because a lot of this movie is very very it's like very dark. not brightly lit at all. <laughs> like you can't see. There yeah. were definitely I I do have to say there were definitely some lines in there that I was just like that like explaining you know why is so there's a question why is Dracula going to London right mm-hmm. why does he want to do that and there were some lines I was just like that's not no <laughs> no yeah. That's yeah. not why Dracula is going to London. And and also that explanation it, was weird. I was like, wait, so the entire population of Romania is <laughs> what? Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> and I was just like, this is that it's kind of racist. Like, uh-huh. I think that's really racist, actually. Yeah. Are you proposing <laughs> that all of Romania are vampires now? <laughs> or dead? Either vampires yes. or dead. So the entirety yeah. of Eastern Europe is that's it okay pretty much yeah so and and the the fact of the matter is the the explanation of the book makes more sense and i don't know why they didn't just use that like it's it's fine uh yeah no i'm with you on that one anyways i mean i i don't know i think it would be fascinating for someone to make a movie of like just harker's diary from the beginning of the book because that is its own like little arc Mm-hmm. uh and that actually does you know end on a, a, a somewhat positive note in the sense that just like ah yes there is hope for the world yeah um but so last voyage of the demeter is out now uh you could definitely go see it this this is this is one that i i would probably wait for streaming but i did have a good time like just as a you know two-hour film to distract me on a friday afternoon there are way worse movies you can see definitely um, so before we talk about the next film, actually, let's talk about what we do in the shadows since we're on the, the topic of vampires. Yes, let's do. And this is something we've both been watching. I've been watching religiously. I'm just like, like yesterday, I was just like, ooh, new what we do in the shadows episode. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like this season is just wonderful. Like, I think there have been more just good episodes, episodes that I want to watch multiple times um in in this season there even have been in past seasons and i say that as someone who loves the past seasons Hmm. yeah uh you know what i find so fascinating about the show i mean taika and jermaine clement like those two are not really running the show anymore they haven't for a while they turned it over to some very very capable showrunners that are doing a great job and i think what's um what's so interesting about this show is like you do see through lines from season one to now and you can see the growth of the characters over time but each season somehow completely differentiates itself from the previous season so even though there are very you know there are things that that carry over there are characters that that return um pop in and out and and stuff like each season has kind of its own its own arc that's totally separate from what came before and I, I i love that i think not a lot of sitcoms do that and and mm-hmm. i i think that's one of the things that makes this show so good i think this season in particular and just seeing like what's happening in the season could not have happened the way that it is without what came before yeah without some of the things that have happened with those characters in previous years but it, it really has all culminated in something that is just so 
fun and just so wild. Every episode is just <laughs> crazier than the than the one before. And so it's so funny. And it's also like really sweet. Like there's so yes. much happening that is so sweet and tender. Yes. And I love You're, it so much. Really sweet. There are friendships that are like being built on that. I'm just like, this is really nice. I really like this. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I I do like the fact, you know, like in the in the previous season you kind of had this development of Laszlo as the father of the group. <laughs> the very strange mad scientist father. Um and yeah. <laughs> who is like, you know, probably not trustworthy, definitely should not be given any like support in anything that he wants to do, <laughs> but really is trying in his own bizarre, stupid way uh to, to help people. And he's trying to help Guillermo in in this season. Last season, of course, he was trying to help Colin Robinson. He was, he was raising raising Colin, Colin Robinson. Robinson. Um and then you've got the somewhat unlikely pairing of Colin Robinson and Nandor. <laughs> who are like becoming best buddies <laughs> which again oh really gosh. i really have enjoyed i really like the two of them together because they i think partially because they are so different from each other i think that that's some of what's happening in this season is that you're pairing up these different characters who are spending a lot of time together that are very much opposites of one another yeah. Um, but it's developing how much they actually care about each other. So Laszlo is like, yes, I care about Guillermo. Yes, I want to take care of him. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do all of these weird ass experiments on him <laughs> to find out what's wrong with him. Yeah. And well, and and I, I, I think that the dynamics, like you say, the way that, you know, you have different people pairing up and stuff. I think that that has been... Uh, so fun to watch because every season it seems like there's a different grouping you know like different people are kind of mm -hmm. joining forces and I think that's part of what keeps the show fresh and interesting and keeps you caring about these characters who uh like they're so weird but they all I mean they've been together for so long that they just kind of have their own dynamic and getting to explore that and finding new ways to to show those relationships I, I it's i think it's part of what makes the show so brilliant mm -hmm. and i do i also really like the addition of the guide uh mm -hmm. kristen shaw is is wonderful she, and she's been de developing as more of a central character throughout the past couple of seasons um but i really like you know this the the episodes that feature her and nadja are just hilarious and yes. and Nadja being completely oblivious to the fact that this <laughs> that this woman is like halfway in love with her and just wants to be her best friend mm. <laughs> and and it's funny and it's it's like it's very clear that that's what's going on and um and yeah just just like I really like kind of adding her in and giving kind of her a little bit more space to be like part of the vampire click. I was so happy in the season premiere this year when her name was added as a main cast member instead of as mm -hmm. a guest. And I was like, oh, good, good. We need her. And that's the thing, too, is like they found a way to kind of infuse some new energy into the show. And it does give us a different view of Nadja. Mm -hmm. um, and it gives us just more of Kristen Shaw, who's just like you say, she's so delightful and so funny. And and it's like such a good amount of of energy where she's kind of in in some ways, she's kind of like a first season Guillermo 
with Nandor where it's like mm-hmm. she's so eager to to please Nadja and just really just like kind of attached to her but it's a very obviously a very different relationship but it just kind of reminds me of that it's a little bit of a throwback to that dynamic between Guillermo and Nandor that has completely changed over the years mm-hmm. exactly well and and that's the other thing that's developing really nicely I think in um between Guillermo and Nandor because yeah. Guillermo who's avoiding Nandor because he can't tell him that uh he's been bitten right mm-hmm. and is not quite a vampire yet but <laughs> is like this hybrid vampire um and and Nandor is like what's happening why is Guillermo ignoring me why is he hiding from me and like running away and he's like jealous he's basically mm-hmm. like and I I really like that I think that so so much of this the series has when it comes to Nandor and Guillermo has definitely been about their like romance i i don't know how quite to put it's a very difficult relationship but like nandor is jealous he's like why is guillermo spending all of his time with laszlo where's guillermo why isn't he here why isn't he here taking care of us and i think that it's so good because nandor honestly nandor needed to go through that because he's treated guillermo like crap for so long that he needs to miss him a little bit it's kind of that whole thing of of you know like in in any relationship when someone starts to take the other one for granted you need to miss them a little bit and 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 remember what you had and that's what uh what uh nandor needs to to do he needs to miss guillermo um but it's it's really fun watching that relationship too and just seeing them not completely overtly admit their feelings for each other yet (laughs) but to see that that's (laughs) definitely the relationship or the direction that it's going well i that's the other thing that i really like about this show and this has been true throughout the entire history of the show but they've become more and more explicit about the queerness of vampires yes and the queerness of the show itself and it's it's finally kind of definitely with this season has reached a point where it's just like, yeah, they're all, they're all kinds of different kinds of queer. Like, <laughs> and sometimes they, they are different kinds of queer today than they were yesterday. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I really like that because it, first of all, it's very much supported in terms of, you know, vampire lore and vampire stories, et cetera. It's this, this inherent um, omnisexuality basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but this season has just been more like, yeah, sure. So like the Pride Parade episode where uh, Sean is just like, well, you're all like, like really gay. And they're all like, yeah, yep, true. The thing with Colin Robinson and his ex-boyfriend, I I mean, I'm trying not to give stuff away if people aren't mm-hmm. caught up, but I was dying. I was laughing so hard. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Just that whole episode where Colin Robinson turns out to be interesting and people are so interested in him. And he's just like, no, get away. No, this is me. <laughs> I, I like, I like, you know, I was wondering what they were going to do with Colin Robinson after the whole like dying mm-hmm. and becoming a child and growing up again and all of that. Um, and I, I like what they've done. I wish that there was a little bit more of his, I wish that he had more memory of the fact that Laszlo fucking raised him. Like yeah. Laszlo protected him and took care of him uh, and like brought him up. And it now seems like he's completely forgotten that. I wish that there was a little bit more of like him knowing or having some memory of the fact that Laszlo is his daddy now. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I know. I agree. I agree with you. 
And I don't, I would say maybe it's coming, but I kind of don't think it is. But also Lazlo isn't someone to like expect, you know, that thanks yeah. and stuff either. He's just kind of like, yeah, that that that's moved. Like I've moved on to my next project, which is Gizmo. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh yeah it's it this this season has definitely shown how much they all actually really love each other and care about each other. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm just like oh I'm getting feels for the vampire family. I love these yeah. guys. You know. They're so very great. very different kind of vampires to the ones that we see in the last voyage of the Demeter. Yes. <clears throat> so so yeah so it's that is currently ongoing. It's on FX and it's on um Hulu the next day. So I will be fascinated to see how this season ends. I given the way that several seasons of my favorite shows have ended recently, I'm just like I am not prepared to be like emotionally devastated by this show now. <laughs> yeah. Um can we not? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's move on. What do you want to talk about next? Um, let's see. Well, we both watched. Well, okay. First of all, last week we talked about Hitchcock. Yes, we did. So his birthday happened. Did you want to talk about what you watched for his birthday? And then we can talk about something that's Hitchcock adjacent. Hitchcock related. Um, yeah. So yes, Hitchcock's birthday was last week. It was August 13th. And I was like, well, I obviously have to watch a Hitchcock film. Um, I actually, I wound up watching Dial M for Murder, which is one of those Hitchcock films that I think gets forgotten a lot because it's not his greatest film, certainly, but I think it's a really fascinating film. It's uh, stars Grace Kelly and Ray Milland. It is actually based on a play. Uh, and you can tell that it's very much confined to a single apartment. There are a few scenes that take place outside the apartment, but they're very, very short. Um, and again, and you never really get the sense of more of the world around them, which I think is really interesting. There aren't tons of establishing shots. Um, we don't get a sense of like where the characters necessarily are when they're outside of the apartment in the same way. And it's it's essentially about a man uh, played by Ray Milland who plots his wife's murder um, because she has been having an affair with a uh, a writer played by um, now I'm blanking on his name because he's one of the most forgettable men on the planet. <laughs> uh, I can't think of who it is either. <laughs> it's because he's, he's the guy who's that, that guy who isn't Robert Cummings. There we go. It's oh, like Robert yeah. Montgomery. No, <laughs> Robert Cummings. Bob Cummings, yes, he he is. And I actually think he's very good in this film because he is forgettable. And, <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, you're you're kind of stupid <laughs> and you're kind of a dork. Um, and I don't know. I'm not entirely certain why she would leave Ray Milan for you, but OK. Right. <laughs> uh, but it, it's so 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 much of the film is very much about the plot of him plotting to murder his wife and then what happens in the in the aftermath of the attempt and all of that and things go wrong almost immediately but it's a it's a really fascinating film because it places us so much in the perspective of the murderer um and then of course but we don't we have sympathy for him in the sense that we are invested in what he's doing we want to see if it if it comes off and then as things begin to develop we our loyalty shift and it becomes it becomes almost like a Columbo episode or something like that, where you know the solution, you know how everything was done, but it's waiting for the other characters and particularly for the police detective to actually figure out 
what happened and if they're going to figure it out. Um, it's such a well done film. It's it's one of those films that's very claustrophobic because it's a single location, uh, and you know very much has a lot of uh, relationship to rope and to lifeboat and to rear window. Um, those films where Hitchcock confines himself and tries to find ways of telling this this very cinematic story in a way that will be compelling while at the same time really confining yourself to to the single location. It's a fascinating film and I really I really recommend that if anyone has not seen it, definitely watch it. I've seen it so many times and I'm still so invested in the outcome, uh, which I think is one of the hallmarks of a great film. Also, if you ever, ever, ever get a chance to see it in 3D, the entire film was filmed in 3D. What? Uh, this And what's really, really fascinating, yeah, what's really fascinating about it is if you ever get a chance to see it in 3D, you can tell where the the kind of like the um, the the big sort of surprise moments of like, there's a scene where a character gets stabbed and you can see like, the uh the hand coming out with a pair of scissors clasped in it and things like that but what's really fascinating about the entire film is that it grants the film so much more depth hitchcock really used the 3d in an interesting way and it's not something that you can get in the same way on on the 2d version the 2d version is fantastic and that's the way most of us watch it but um the the actual use of 3d if you get to see it in 3d is really fascinating uh and gives like even more of this impression of a stage play almost but at the same time drawing you really close to the action it it is a fascinating film and um and i think it's granted a lot more depth (laughs) as it were um (laughs) by watching it in 3d so if you if you ever get a chance to see it if there's ever a print i know the film forum has run i got to see it at film forum film forum sometimes runs uh 3d prints of this film it really is something to watch so that was what I watched. Did you watch anything for Hitchcock's birthday or are you not weird like me? Uh, I don't <laughs> think that's weird at all, but I did not um, do that. I know. I, I, Fourth of July weekend, I started an X-Files rewatch and I've been trying to finish that. So <laughs> I, this week I finished season six. And I also like I'm watching it all in order. So I watch the movie in between five and six and then six. And uh, so it's like I, I haven't watched a lot of movies recently just because I've been trying to plow through the X-Files. So that's why I didn't watch anything for Hitchcock's birthday. Fail. But <laughs> for Hitchcock's birthday, we also both watched we uh, a film that is very Hitchcockian in nature and in fact, supposedly inspired Hitchcock to make Psycho. So here's the story on that, because I watched the bonus content on my Criterion disc. Um, So what happened was this movie inspired the person who wrote Psycho. And Hitchcock was so taken with this movie that he wanted to make sure he was the one to adapt Psycho. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. So so it did inspire Hitchcock. It also inspired the writer totally separately. I thought that was cool. Robert Block, who wrote the original you, yes. novel, novel of Psycho, which I have read and is very different <laughs> to what Hitchcock made, <laughs> uh, but is is kind of an interesting horror novel in its own in its own right. Um, so we're talking about Diabolique, which might is Diabolique in the United States, Les Diabolique in um, France, which I always find a bit 
odd. I, I don't know, mm-hmm. because Diabolique would be literally devil or diabolical, one or the other. Yeah. Um, if it's the noun, then yeah, it's the devils. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what a, this is one of your favorite films, Karen. So why don't you chat to us about this? This is a very interesting movie and and definitely it's definitely a film that I would be like, yeah, I could see Hitchcock watching this and going like, I wish I'd made that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love this movie. So I first watched it back in high school and um, and it's directed by Henri Georges Clouseau. It stars um, Simone Signore and um, Clouseau's wife, Vera, um, as for anybody who doesn't know the story. So it's these two these two women that uh, work together. She and her like so Vera and her character, Christina is an immigrant from Venezuela. Um, Her husband used the money from her dowry when he brought her over to France to open a school for boys, a boarding school. Her husband is a terrible, terrible person. And um, he's abusive. He's violent. He runs the school just terribly. And um, basically is pocketing all the money that he's saving on, you know, things like good food. Um, he's also having an affair with one of the teachers, Nicole, who is played by Simone Signore. And the two women conspire to kill him, get rid of him. And uh, then his body disappears and they don't quite know what's going on. And this movie, it's in black and white. It's um, it's got a lot of twists and turns. There's so there's so much good suspense. You don't know, like is this his ghost is he not actually dead does someone know what happened and is like playing a trick on them like what's really going on and when you get to the conclusion and you find out what's what's been happening it's so creepy and and just done in such a way that it's so good and even though it's like not a happy ending it's it's like weirdly satisfying <laughs> Like it, somehow, I don't know why it's satisfying, but it is. I I think it's because it connects everything. Yeah. Because so much of the film, you're just like, this is odd. Something's missing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, it, so it is that kind of, is this a ghost story? Is this a, um, is this a story about murder? Is this a story about guilt? And it's, it is in a lot of ways, all of those things. Yeah. Um, but I think that the ending, when you get there, connects all of them and you're suddenly and it's this moment of clarity mm-hmm. where everything that you've seen, all of the different characters and their relationships, the the uh, police detective, the boys, the other teachers, the the two women, et cetera. And you're suddenly like it all makes sense in that moment. And it's so good and horrifying at the same time, because it's I think it's satisfying because it does connect everything. Yeah. And yeah. and then leaves you much like Psycho does leaves you with this still sense of unease of like, you know, everything. But do you know everything? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just really well developed as a story because you it, it's so this was as far as I know, this is like one of the very first examples of a movie having a twist not just like, oh, now I know things I didn't know before, but an actual real twist in the story. Mm-hmm. And um, and and it's so effective. It's so well done. And even now where so many movies are built around having a big twist, it's still, I don't think, a guessable one if you don't know the story. 
No, it isn't. I mean, I remember the first time that I saw the film and it's it's one of those that like you feel almost stupid, but at the same time, just like, <laughs> no, because because the film Why does would kind I of- Why I think that? <laughs> yeah, it leads you through these different alleys, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, like I said, everything makes sense, but- it's it, it it catalyzes everything that you've seen and, and that's kind of growing sense of unease with what is actually happening in the film. But because it never like says this, you know, it never telegraphs. This is what is happening. This is the actual solution to everything that has been going on. Um, it, uh, it Yeah, it feels satisfying. And I, and I have to say, like the first time I saw it, like I was terrified. Mm-hmm. the the final sequence is i think one of the best developments of suspense because it does draw out all of those things all of those question marks that are surrounding his murder and the disappearance of his body and you're yeah. just like all of these things that i don't know i don't know what this film is at this point right mm-hmm. and then it and then you get to kind of the solution of it and you do know what it is um, but it draws it draws you through that and it, it makes you kind of see everything through one particular character's viewpoint and understand her discombobulation, her fear, her guilt, you know, all of these things. And it just kind of all flows outward from that. And it, it works so well. It does. Oh, it's so good. So good. It's yeah, it really is one of my favorites. It was the very first Criterion Blu-ray I ever bought. Um and and it's so funny i was telling you this when we were talking about it on slack um it's really funny because i don't even know how many times i've seen this movie and i always forget what happens at the very very end mm-hmm. <laughs> always every single time because this movie just sucks me in and i just you know i forget about I, like there are certain things that stand out to you certain images mm-hmm. and moments that that becomes what the movie is and then you just kind of forget about some of the details and and how it wraps up so well and i did think so So it's surprising every time i guess yeah well and and i did think so this is this is you've seen this film multiple times i think i've seen this film now three or four times and that says something about a film that is not dependent on its twist right it's Mm -hmm. not like oh you get to the twist it's like okay now everything becomes clear it's still so good and develops things so well that you can know the ending you can know what happens you can know the solution right and still really feel that fear and suspense and the the intelligence of it and everything it is very similar to psycho in that sense um you know very different stories right yeah but similar in the sense of that that creation of suspense and that ability to even if you have seen it before and know what is going to happen it still creates that feeling of suspense and fear and like, wait a minute. There was even a point where I was watching it. I was like, did I remember this right? Am I wrong? Did I like (laughs) superimpose an ending on this film that Mm -hmm. does not exist? Mm -hmm. Because you feel it because you are being led in these different directions. And you're like, how does this all fit together though? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so good. And I did like one of the things I noticed in watching it this time, I really like the, the little bits of humor. Because mm-hmm. um, it could be a very dour film in a lot of ways. It is about a, a like, <laughs> he is the least likable victim, I think, in murder movie history. He oh, is absolutely. So it's like, horrible. hold him down longer. 
yeah it's just like it's just like you want you are just like absolutely kill the fuck out of that guy like Mm -hmm. there is no redeeming quality about him right um he's not a good teacher he's not a good principal he's not like a good husband he's not a good lover he's not anything yeah um he doesn't even the worst human being he doesn't even seem to like like he runs the schools like you don't even like these kids you don't like your teachers what do you like money he's doing it all for money that's all he cares about um but i i like these little bits of humor so the the other teachers who are like um you know the one guy who's like constantly asking for more wine uh (laughs) the the different the humor with some of the kids that um this this is one of a few films about boarding schools where the kids are actually all very nice people it seems Mm -hmm. um that one little boy who keeps getting in trouble is just so precious he's adorable he is he looks like he looks like ron howard in his opie taylor days (laughs) he really does and and the film really needs that it needs those little moments of humor and kind of comedy and there's even a bit of dark comedy that runs throughout it so that it doesn't become overburdened with just like the awfulness of these Mm -hmm. women's lives and the awfulness of the 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 main murdered character yes so yes it's a fantastic film it is it's on criterion it's frequently on max it tends to show up in a lot of places it's one of those it's also on canopy because it's on criterion um it's 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 one of those films that is just so seminal i think in a lot of yeah. ways it, it really uh i i've enjoyed all of the the films that Clouseau made but it is definitely i think his best mm-hmm. yep. um so if you have not seen it do not look up anything about it just go into it enjoy yourself it is it's it's wonderful even if you know that there's a twist i don't think you're gonna know what the twist is yeah i love like it's one of the things that that hitchcock did borrow for psycho was at the very end of this it has a a title card that says please don't spoil this movie for your friends let them be surprised Uh too (laughs) (laughs) that's the other thing the film ends almost immediately at the climax like you get the climax and then you've got like three minutes after that. Yeah, very little resolution. You don't mm-hmm. actually know what's what's fully happening to anybody afterwards. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a very it's a very well done film. Excellent it is. movie. Uh, so all right, what about you, Karen? So, what other films have you seen um, recently? The film, any films that are coming out that you think people should definitely go and watch. Yeah. um, Okay. So I've seen a couple of things in theaters recently. I did see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which was actually pretty, pretty good. Um, It's, you know, a lot of people have been very excited, reasonably and understandably so. I was as well for the um, Spider-Verse animated films. Those are fantastic. Uh, this new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is kind of in that, that realm where it's, it's really exciting to see animation kind of do new things and and the story is fun anybody who was a fan of the ninja turtles back in the day like i was um it it really is fun it 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 captures that nostalgia but it also does something fresh and new for this time that we're now in um so so it's not just based on pure nostalgia it's uh it's awesome and um i think you would enjoy some of the ways that new york is depicted as well 
<laughs> well, I loved the Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. I had like, I watched all the cartoons. I had like tons of action figures and everything. So. I still have the Michelangelo <laughs> that my brother gave me for Christmas in 1989. <laughs> I, my parents have been emptying out the, the attic and I told them just like, okay, when you come across my Ninja Turtles, please hang on to them for me because I would yes. like to see them again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so it's really good. Totally worth watching. Go see it if you get the chance. Um, it's it's really delightful. Um, and I also, uh, let's see, this weekend Blue Beetle is in theaters. Um, I have to confess, I think I finally have started to hit a little bit of superhero fatigue. I didn't think I would. I was just like, oh, superhero movies are good. And I feel like it's finally starting to hit me because this movie is good. It's really well done. The lead character um solo mariduena duena um he's he's delightful he's um anybody who knows he's miguel from cobra kai so he's just a delightful kid and a really fun character a really fun movie but i just found myself getting a little bit like oh, i don't i don't necessarily want to watch this and i really think it's superhero fatigue it's nothing to do with the movie itself so um so i guess that's happening um but this movie is it's it's funny it's really cute because or not cute that's not the right word it's really sweet because um this main character Jaime uh he becomes the blue beetle but it really is this family affair because he's very close to his family and um so it really really um taps into the culture of mexican families and immigrant families and how it's very you know we're all in this together and and they really capture that in this movie so it's it's funny it's really good um i just yeah i'm kind of i need a break from superhero movies i'm realizing and that's i think that's probably yeah. a good thing um except for there's still so many more coming well and but yeah, exactly. That's that's the problem. You know, I saw the I saw the trailer for Blue Beetle and I was just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and but yeah, one of the things that a couple of people have pointed out actually is that, oh, isn't it interesting that like, you know, suddenly the superhero movies are getting like Latino leads and and Latino stories and um, black leads and and female leads. And that and this is the point at which, you know, they're like running yeah. out of steam, basically. So yeah. they've kind of expended all of their time on these very kind of straightforward, you know, and there are d- definitely differences, but um, very, you know, white male centric stories. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now we're getting the like the the superheroes honestly i've never heard of blue beetle i have no idea what that is (laughs) uh and and there is this point in which i'm just like oh god again another one like and and it doesn't matter you know at that point it's like it doesn't matter that that if it's good or not good i'm just like i'm just so tired Mm -hmm. that's the thing and i actually was was specifically thinking about your point that you just made while i was watching this movie i was like no this is not the movie i want to be you know having this you know, this exhaustion in, I want to be able to just enjoy this and celebrate this moment. I had never heard of blue beetle either before the trailer started popping up. Um, so I didn't know anything about this character. I didn't know what to expect, but it's just, yeah, I was just like, I don't, I want to be able to enjoy celebrating this new Latino character with everyone. And, um, and so the timing is just terrible, but it, it just made me think, okay, well maybe I just need to, only watch the ones that are like offering something new and different like i am still looking forward to the marvels 
coming this this uh this fall i hope but um but yeah like if they you know if they if i don't know if they're gonna keep doing things that are like i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. watch another batman movie for a while you know if they're gonna do superman i probably will skip it for a while just because i need to to just kind of do something else and i want these movies to still feel fresh and fun yeah it's it's a very difficult thing well and it does feel it honestly feels a bit deliberate um yeah. that you know because we have people have been talking about particularly this year superhero films running out of steam essentially that they're they're just not drawing in the audiences in the same way that they were mm-hmm. um and and that's uh, you know, it's not surprising that happens with most, you know, really big kind of franchise efforts and stuff like that. At a certain point, just like well, audiences are just not it's audiences are moving past it. They're interested in other things. Yeah. And to to have at the same time diversity being represented and being like, oh, now we get diversity now when everybody's tired and exhausted and doesn't want to do this anymore. Now you're going to give us diversity. And they're also going to be able to say, like, well, these films didn't do well, so obviously we shouldn't be making them. Right, exactly. And it's it's that whole uh, that whole idea of uh, there's a term that I'm trying to think of. Um, I was just studying it last night in my statistics homework because I'm doing that this semester. But um, I I can't think of the term. But basically, yeah, like there it's it's creating this circular argument that they can't um, they can't move past. And it's this mm-hmm. whole thing where studios constantly want to draw the wrong conclusions and learn the wrong lessons from everything. And so here it is. People are like Marvel has released what 26, 27 superhero movies plus a bunch of TV shows in the last 13 years. And now people are like, I want to watch, you know, Diabolique <laughs> or something. <laughs> I want to watch new vampire movies or whatever um, and not this. And so they're like, oh, see, it's just that people don't want a Chinese superhero. So mm-hmm. we shouldn't have done 10, you know, 10 rings or, you know, whatever. And and oh people don't want the female superheroes because they're not turning out for them it's like no they just they probably wouldn't turn out for a fifth iron man movie either yeah but you're not making that one (laughs) and i think that that's also being shown in in like the response to shazam and ant-man flash Mm -hmm. and ant-man and all that but that's not the conclusion that they're going to draw is is the problem of course right and they're just like oh this film failed so therefore we shouldn't we shouldn't have diversity right but blue beetle is totally worth watching so if you can push past the fatigue or if you're not feeling it go see and support this movie because it's worth it it's actually really well done it's very funny it's very entertaining and a great great cast i will say that um and then i also just wanted to mention a couple of other movies that are um in release right now i didn't see them recently i saw them back at sundance but they're here now and i was excited about them so i wanted to kind of shout them out and encourage people to go because all of these are in limited very limited release and probably a little bit difficult to find if you're in uh if you're outside of los angeles or new york but um but uh so there's two that came out i think both came out last weekend or the week before um one is shortcomings so this is the directorial debut of Randall Park, who you've seen in lots of things. Um, and it stars Justin Min, who we actually were talking about a couple weeks ago when we were talking about After Yang. Um, and 
so he plays this guy it's he plays this guy he's he's a he's fine he's not a particularly likable protagonist but he's also not awful he's just this this guy who's just kind of drifting through life he works at a movie theater he's a big time movie geek he's like the the film bro that we get so annoyed at (laughs) and um (laughs) and he's really struggling with with relationships and just keeping relationships together and and part of like so much of that is just because he's holding himself back and um it's got a very fun supporting performance from sherry cola who's also in joyride that came out um back in july i think um just a just a good good movie and then there's another film that is completely different from this, but also like weirdly shares some of the same DNA. And that is a movie called Passages, which stars Franz Rogowski as a very unlikable um, movie or film guy. <laughs> but he is I actually see a pattern. <laughs> a, yes, but he's actually a director. And um, and so he's this like artistic very passionate person he's married to ben wishaw they've been married for i don't know how long um but he becomes totally enamored of this young woman that he meets who is adele extrapolis and um decides he wants to be in a relationship with her and he doesn't understand why his husband's not just cool with that and so it's really a movie about him not knowing what he wants and just going like going back and forth trying to figure it out and just making a mess of other people's lives in the process and so this one is not funny it's not sweet Uh, there's a couple of things that are funny but it's it's very dramatic and um sometimes difficult to watch but really really good and excellent performances so those movies weirdly are kind of a um an interesting double feature, uh, even though they are so completely different from each other. But <laughs> yeah. And then the last one, this one's out in theaters this weekend. And that is uh it's called Landscape with Invisible Hand, which is such a weird title, but it makes sense when you see the movie. This is directed by Corey Finley, who did um um Thoroughbreds and okay. um what was the other one he did? He's this is his third movie. I can't think of what the what the other one was uh, right now. But anyway, so this movie takes place in the future, um, not super far into the future. And um, basically aliens arrived some at some point and created these sort of cloud cities above our like planet. And um, and so like they offered they offered people like, Hey, come into business with us and you can have like all these riches. You can come live up here in the cloud city. And some people, a lot of people took advantage of that, but everybody who didn't now they're no matter what their lives were like before the aliens showed up, um, they're kind of, they're living in poverty. They don't have like, it's hard to find jobs and stuff. And so the main stars are Asante black and Kylie Rogers who um, play these teenagers who fall in love and she comes up with this idea that the aliens, they don't experience love and they love to watch humans fall in love. So they basically start a reality show of themselves falling in love and making a lot of money. And then, you know, they're teenagers. So things happen and that relationship changes and the aliens have expectations. And 
I don't want to say too much, but uh, it's it's very funny. It's very weird and quirky. And it also says a lot about um, about a lot of social things. You know, um, it, mm-hmm. it does get into race a little bit. It gets into class. It gets into um, the way that we treat one another, our communities. It, it just it gets into so many different topics and it's done in such a such a quirky way that just feels like Corey Finley just kind of has this very specific um style that comes through here and so it's fun to see Tiffany Haddish is in it too um Josh Hamilton the, like just a, a good a good cast in a very mm-hmm. weird and fun movie so I highly oh, recommend cool. that. uh yeah. Corey Finley also directed Bad Education the that's the one with, uh, Hugh Jackman and Alice Hugh and Jackman yeah 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 uh thank so, you cool sounds sounds interesting sounds like some interesting stuff I've, I've heard I hadn't heard of that one I'd heard of passages and um shortcomings mm-hmm. uh but so cool lots of interesting things actually coming out recently yeah. a lot of smaller films in particular which it's you a know good time and and if you're not in LA or New York or in major cities and stuff like that, those films do tend to wind up on streaming services fairly quickly as well. So there's an opportunity, but for rent as well, um, there's an opportunity to support them that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I the the last thing that I wanted to mention, I don't know whether you're into the show at all, Karen. So I will just I will just say one thing. Um, I finished watching Good Omens too. I have not week. watched the second <laughs> season yet. <laughs> It is, it's, I, I will say the, the second season is, I don't think as cohesive as the first. And I definitely miss Terry Pratchett in the sense that, so everybody misses Terry Pratchett as we should. Yeah. But, um, but so Terry Pratchett had passed on, I think before Good Omens, the first season had even mm-hmm. been started. Um, but you can see in the show, his humor and his love of punning and things like that. And but also just the the understanding of, you know, using humor to really make us a, a powerful and sometimes emotionally devastating point. And I think that that's missing a little bit in in the second season. It isn't as cohesive. I still love David Tennant and um, Michael Sheen are just <laughs> wonderful. It's funny. Uh, we've got John Hamm is back as Gabriel. Um, there are a lot of really great things I think that this this season does. And but it's it's very much a middle season. It feels like I, I really hope that Amazon picks it up for the third season because you cannot leave us there uh, <laughs> because the. I was emotionally devastated in uh, a, a good way in the sense that I was just like, this is terrible, but also I like it. And like, <laughs> it was, it's, it's a very good conclusion, I think, to, um, to the season and answer some questions that I think most of us, at least I definitely was just like, are they, are they going to, are we going to go in this direction? I hope we are. Yes, we did. Uh, but yeah, so bas- basically think our flag means death and you'll kind of, understand the emotional impact of the ending of this this particular season so highly recommend it uh definitely definitely a fun one and amazon please for fuck's sake like i know the every that everyone's in the fight with the writers and sag and everything just just pick it up for the third season let give us a conclusion to this And while we're on it, since you brought it up, uh, also, Max, this would be a great weekend to release the trailer for season two of our flag means death. <laughs> Just saying. 
<laughs> Speaking of emotional devastation. <laughs> just like, yes. oh, this is just a fun, funny show about pirates. And oh, look, it's so, oh my God. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, if they don't, I need to see, I need to see what happens. We have to see what happens. I believe they finished filming all of season two. So now they just need to release it. Good. Good. I hope that they've backed it up in many different places, given what David right. Zaslav has been up to. Oh. I don't know how anybody doesn't do that now. Like, safe copies at home, you know? I, I, I kind of imagine that there are a lot of directors and filmmakers, et cetera, who are doing exactly that, that are like, yeah. you know, at least to preserve that work, you know, mm-hmm. yep. um, given the behavior of streamers and of film studios and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so yes, Good Omens 2 is available right now on Amazon. Um, yeah, definitely go watch it so that we do get a season three because I I need a season three. I cannot live like that. Uh, <laughs> so I think that, that is going to close this out. Anything, any final thoughts before we shut this all down, Karen? Watch more movies. And also join me on this uh, X-Files rewatch. It's fun. <laughs> watch more movies i've never been able to get into the x-files i've watched several seasons and i always i'm always good and then they do like some government conspiracy thing and i'm just like i don't care about government conspiracies i want to see the monster (laughs) well the government conspiracy overarches the entire series i know Um, yeah and then what's funny is and then there were certain seasons where they kind of got away from that so to do the monster of the week episodes and Honestly, watching it start, I've never watched it start to finish the way that I am. And there's a lot of episodes I didn't realize I'd never seen at all. And, um, and so it's been really interesting to watch that. And there are certain things I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was going on for so much of the show. And it's actually a lot of fun because I, I used to always only want the monster of the week episodes too. And now seeing the way it all plays together, I really enjoy this. The alien conspiracy stuff. Maybe partly because apparently people don't care about alien conspiracies. Also, <laughs> side note, <laughs> did you see that apparently that guy who does divide before Congress got locked up, like, on a psychiatric <laughs> hold? <laughs> Which is not uh, funny. It's not funny, but also fun- like, oh. It's not funny, but also, yeah, it's just a little bit like, okay. hmm yeah, and one of my friends was like, "But maybe it's a government conspiracy to lock no. him up to silence him." See, this is this is one of the reasons why I don't like the X Files is because <laughs> it always proposes that the nut jobs are actually right, right, and yeah. the intelligent, capable, legitimately skeptical woman is wrong, and I <laughs> fucking hate that. After a while, I'm just like, "Can we not like?" Can we not be like, it's actually a government conspiracy. It's like, it isn't though. The government is not that good at it. Like, let's be, no. let's be honest. They really aren't. They really are not. Like so, almost no conspiracy is real. Because so, the government just couldn't do it. Because they're, they're not good enough at it. That's the thing. It's, it's not, the government is too stupid. Conspiracies mm-hmm. are really convince us that like our government actually knows what the fuck they're doing. They don't guys. They no, really they don't. do not. They, they absolutely really, really <laughs> So I think that's going to close us out. This is our 249th episode, which means wow. that next week is our 250th episode. 
That is so awesome. I just realized today. So uh, yeah, join us, join us for our next episode, which will be our 250th episode. And as always, we want to thank our lovely patrons who uh, support the show. Keep us, keep us on, keep us hosted. Um, Thank you so much to Ali, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Judy, Karen, Cariata, Lauren, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, and Pau. Thank you again for supporting us, guys. If you would like to join their number, uh, we our Patreon is patreon.com slash citizen dame. You do get fun stuff as a result. Hopefully we'll have some more bonus episodes coming out. Uh, again, if anyone has not received buttons and stickers that they are due, please let me know and um, give me your, your US mailing address and I will have them out immediately. Uh, I think that I got everybody at this point. <laughs> really hope. <laughs> Um, we also have our Zazzle store, Zazzle.com slash Citizen Dame pod and our Ko-Fi account, co-fi.com slash Citizen Dame. And you can read reviews and editorials, my editorial about Dracula and the last voyage of the Demeter uh, <laughs> is up there right now. That's our website on CitizenDamePod.com. I really and think we pronounced the goddesses named Demeter too in my high school. It's wrong. Demeter. Oh, she's oh, the goddess Demeter. Wrong. She's the goddess Demeter. <laughs> she's Demeter. It just sounds incorrect. <laughs> because you learned it a different way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have absolutely, Demeter sounds wrong to me. <laughs> I have absolutely no, no, no support for, for my pronunciation, except that Demeter just sounds stupid to me. That's it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and drives me crazy. Anyways... <laughs> We are also on all of the various socials, but I will say that we are easing off of Twitter pretty quickly, or X as it is known now. It's um, never going to be X to me. We, we're still posting episodes and stuff like that on, on our Twitter account, but that is not the best place to find us anymore, uh, especially if, if Musk actually goes through with some of his threats. Uh, or is able to go through some of his threats, uh, it's, it's it's unlikely that we are going to be very active on there. But we do still have a Twitter account at Citizen Dame Pod. We are also on um, Instagram and Blue Sky at Citizen Dame Pod. And of course, you can check out our letterbox at Citizen Dame, where we have lists, links to episodes, um, links to articles and things like that. And that is a very good place to find us and follow us. And yeah, and if you do happen to listen to us on all of the various platforms, if you're able to give us a nice review, to give us a nice rating, we would absolutely love that. It always helps. And it also makes us feel good. So uh, Karen, where can all of the various listeners find you? On pretty much all the socials, mostly these days, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Blue Sky, but still on Twitter, kind of, uh, but everywhere at Karen M. Peterson. And I am also on the various socials at LH Business. So I think that will close us out for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Respectfully, uh, neighbor Sean, yes. what has this got to do with us? We are very busy. A little bird recently flew into my bedroom and I've been trying to make him my friend. Yeah, well, uh, we just wanted to consult with you guys, considering you're members of the LGBTQ LMNOP community, and we consider you guys heroes for that. Literally the gayest oh. things on the block. I like what you've been saying. It's been very entertaining, but just for two seconds, shut the fuck up. I know why you're here. You want us to grand marshal your gay parade? That's a thumbs up. You want to start your gay parade on our front lawn? That's two thumbs up.
What are those vehicles called that are all brightly coloured, very jolly? Oh, you mean chariots dragging the corpses of your vanquished foes. We call them floats. 